Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. For now, we hope you enjoy this message. Thanks for tuning in today. You can turn in your Bibles to to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. That's going to be the basis of our scripture. But I think of the big three. You know, I was in fitness for 25 years before I I stepped into full-time ministry. You know, we're all in ministry. If you came to the the conference last weekend on on serving, you realize that that we're not volunteers, that we're ministers. Amen. And when I was in the gym, I I was a minister of the gospel. We we got people saved and and prayed for healing and, and invited people to church. And that's what we're all supposed to be doing. We're to be the hands and feet of Jesus to go into our world and, and uh, again, do what we're called to do. But, you know, when I was a bodybuilder, I did a little bit of powerlifting as well. And, and we had three big lifts. We had the squat, the bench, and the deadlift. And those are called compound movements. And a compound movement is a multi-joint movement. Okay, so like a squat, when you squat down, when you sit down, you're bending both the knee joint and the hip joint. And it's, it's really kind of a full body movement. So you think about that, the bench press, the squat, and the deadlift, you do those three lifts and, and they're really full body movements. A lot of people want to do isolation exercises. I know, you know, when Travis and I were bodybuilding 20 plus years ago, we'd have younger guys come up to us and, you know, how'd you get big arms and all this? And it's like squat, bench, and deadlift. Stick with the fundamentals, stick with the basics. Of course, they want to do the, the isolation exercises because those are the easy things to do, Right? When you do the squat and bench and deadlift, those are, are taxing on your body. They, they take a lot out of you. But they also promote the most bone density. They, they pr- promote the most strength and the most muscle size. You get the best bang for your buck when you do that. And those are the fundamentals. Those are the, the foundational lifts. And you could always tell when you showed up at a bodybuilding contest, the ones that had put in the work and had really done those hard movements because they had a thickness and a density and a maturity of their muscles that the rest of the guys did not have because they didn't put in the work. So as we, we focus on these three for 2023, here's the three things. Number one, it's, it's being free from fear. Number two, it's being filled with faith. And number three, it's being surrounded with favor. So say this, say, I'm fearless. I'm, fearless. I'm full of faith, I'm full of faith. And, I'm and I'm surrounded with favor. Say it again, I'm fearless. I'm, fearless. I'm full of faith, I'm full of faith. And, I'm and I'm surrounded with favor. So today, specifically, we're going to talk about being fearless and what it takes. I believe that fear is the number one thing that is holding most people back from what it is that God has called them to do. You know, it's fear of maybe starting a new job, fear of entering into a relationship, fear of walking away from something. It's the fear, whether they're, they're real or, or just perceived, it's those fears that are holding us back. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 It says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That's the scripture I speak every time before I come up here. God, you didn't give me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And I just believe by faith that when I go from there to here, that that the Holy Spirit's going to come upon me and anoint me to do what it is that he's called me to do. Because there can be, anybody have fear of public speaking, of getting in front of a group? Oh, if I handed the mic around and had people come up. Right? Or it's always funny, we give the mic and it takes three minutes to tell everybody how scared they are and then 10 minutes later, it's, it's hard to, to shut us up a lot of times, right? But fear of public speaking is a big one. But fears can be rational or, or irrational. They, they can be triggered by a wide variety of things. Again, whether they're, they're just perceived or real. Things like a fear of heights or maybe a, a fear of, 
of uh, spiders, or my number one fear is a fear of snakes. You know, years ago, we were up in, in Mobridge, South Dakota. We used to go up there for the 4th of July to, to celebrate. This was BC. And again, this was when I was bodybuilding. I had a pretty big dude. And, and a good friend of mine from high school, his older brother was a Marine. He did not have any fear. He was fearless. But he needed a healthy fear. And there was a bull snake that was probably about this long. And they're real thick, if you know what a bull snake looks like. And they're not poisonous, but they've definitely got teeth. And so, of course, he's out there messing with it, picking it up. And I saw that right away. I'm up on the deck on the picnic table, on the deck. If I could have got up on the roof of the cabin, I would have, because I just knew how it was going to go. You know, the one that fears they're going to take and, and bring that with. And that stemmed from, I remember in junior high, when I was in track, I, I remember watching the, the, long, or the high jumpers, I'll never forget this, and just sitting there, and all of a sudden, somebody took a gardener snake and put it on my front, and it freaked me out. And that created that fear. And it was real. It was rational. And it's still rational. <laughs> Again, you might have fear of public speaking. It might be like we came out of COVID, a, a fear of being sick. It might be a fear of failure or, or a fear of success. You know, they say a lot of people that when, when they near retirement, they have a fear of, of running out of money. And then when they actually do retire, they have a fear of, of being alone. That's, that's some of those greatest fears. I know my oldest son, Noah, when, when he was a little kid, he watched the Weather Channel always. And that created a fear in him of storms, of, of tornadoes. So then when we'd have any, uh, you know, warnings or, or any storm warnings, I mean, he would freak out. It was irrational, but again, to him, it was real. He would watch the Weather Channel, ESPN, and VeggieTales. That's kind of how we grew up in our household. But again, it created that irrational fear. A, a great fear in most people's lives is, is the fear of death. You know, I, I had an opportunity to, to do my, my first funeral here a few weeks back. Melissa's grandma had passed away, 92 years old. You know, I'd lived a, a good long life and, and there wasn't many people there and had pastors outline. And, um, and I'm telling you, the scriptures, they just give you peace. They give you comfort. It was amazing to read through. It was like, you know, I'm kind of a coach and kind of a motivator. And afterwards, I, I talked to the, the funeral directors. and I, I was like, man, I, I hope that wasn't too much. But I was like getting excited from the word of God. Because again, death has no sting to the believer. We don't have to fear death. Amen. And Melissa and I talked afterwards. And she said, you know, re remembering back before she was saved and, and when her grandfather had passed away, she goes, I, I just remember having no hope. I didn't know if, if after somebody died, if that's just the end of life and, 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 you know, it just was what it was. And she goes, I just remember weeping because I had no hope. Now, it's one thing, you know, to, to, to grieve over the loss of somebody because you miss them. That's, that's totally normal and healthy. But again, the Bible says to sorrow not, that, that spirit of sorrow is not to come upon us. And Nancy Dufresne said this. She said, there's a difference between aloneness and being alone, right? Loneliness and being alone. We're never alone if we have Christ in our lives, amen? So we never have to be lonely. But again, we do have hope. So I'm going to talk to you this morning about fear and, and where it came from, how it originated, what the Bible says about fear, and then some practical applications and practical ways for you to be able to overcome this fear. So turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. In the beginning is what we're going to start. So where did fear actually come from? Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, it picks up where, you know, Adam and Eve were in the garden and, and Satan, the snake. You see, that's why you hate snakes, right? Because Satan came as a serpent. That is a healthy fear. And so he came as a snake and, and we know that he beguiled Eve. He, he basically tricked her, you know, and, and, and got her to look at, you know, what she wasn't supposed to touch, the tree of knowledge of, of good and evil. And, and so they, you know, Eve took of it and then Adam took part of it as 
as well. And then in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, we pick up the story and it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord, God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves. So you see, when, they, when you disobey God and, and sin comes into your life, that's what we ultimately, we, our first reaction is to hide ourselves. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And what you want to do as a parent is you want to try to teach your kids to run to you when they sin rather than run from you because you're a depiction of God in their lives. Amen. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But again, our knee-jerk reaction many times is, is to want to hide, to, to want to cover things up. Verse 9, it says, Then the Lord God called to Adam and he said to him, Where are you? Now, of course, he knew where he was, but he wanted to see how Adam was going to respond. So Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. There was no fear in the garden up to this point, but he said, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And that's what sin does. It, it, it brought in fear. There was no fear in there. Before that, you know, when, when God would come in and he, he would walk with, with Adam in the cool of the day and they would commune together. But, but this sin, this disobedience had created a barrier between he and God and Adam did the knee-jerk reaction and he hid himself. And he said, I was afraid. And fear came in. It's interesting when you scan out of the scriptures and, and you look at what we had in, in Genesis, what we had in the garden, and also what we have over here in, in, in Revelation with, with in heaven. And in Genesis, you know, there was, there was all good things, right? It, 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 it was love and, and, and prosperity and life and health. But then when fear came in, when, when Adam trans, transgressed God and, and, and Satan became the ruler of the, of the earth, what, what happened? That, that love turned over to hate, that prosperity turned over to lack and, and to never having enough and toil. Life and health turned into death and destruction and disease. And that's not how God set it up. So we have, we have the Garden of Eden and we have heaven. And here we are in between. And so why did Jesus come? He came to bring the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, to this earth. And if you understand that, it'll make a lot of this straight in what you read in the Word of God. It's always getting back. He redeemed us back to where the first Adam was. But of course, we live in this fallen world, amen, where, where sin is in this. And it says that, that Adam actually lost his authority, the authority that God had given him. He said, God said, be fruitful, multiply. I've given you dominion. I've given you authority. You're supposed to tend and keep the garden. But, but when he disobeyed God, he handed that authority over to Satan. In Luke chapter 4, you don't need to turn there, but listen, it says, it says, then the devil taking him up on a high mountain. This is when Jesus was out in the wilderness, out in the desert, and he was being tempted. The devil showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil send, said to, to Jesus, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me. We just found out how he got it. Now, the devil's the deceiver. He's the father of lies. But in here, he was actually telling the truth. Because it was a real temptation to Jesus. This has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, it will all be yours. So when, when Adam transgressed God and, and he lost the authority, that's when sin and death and, and all this destruction came into the earth. And, and the, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, The little g God of this world has blinded the minds of those that believe not. And that's why we live in this mess that we're in. Say, thank you, Adam. That's why we're here, is because of that. But praise God, we've got the victory over it. 
because of Jesus and what he did. That's the good news. First John chapter 3, verse 8, it says, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And that's what he did. He destroyed the works of the devil. So what are the works of the devil? 1 John 2.16 says it. It says it's, it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And that's how he, that's how he tricked Eve. And he's up to no new tricks. There's, there's no new schemes. Right? It, there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She, she had abundance, and, and Adam had abundance. They could eat of everything in there. Every, all their needs were provided, except he said, don't eat of this tree. That's mine. It's like the tithe that Melissa talked about. But what happened? He you know, the Satan comes in and he gets her to, to start looking at it. You know, the lust of the eyes. Wouldn't, doesn't that look good? And, and started to meditate on that. Then the lust of the flesh. I wonder what that tastes like. I've, I've never had that kind of fruit before. I, I wonder what that is. That's the lust of the flesh. And then the pride of life. Satan's telling her like, hey, you know, God knows that, that if you eat of this, you're going to be just like him. And he's trying to keep something from you. It's, it's called FOMO, the fear of missing out, right? He used that on her, the fear of missing out, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And she gave into that temptation and ended up eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's how they lost their authority. And that's how fear came into the land. So that's the root of fear. Say, I'm fearless. I'm full of faith. And I'm surrounded by favor. I tell you what, I already got that on my, my screen saver on my phone. That's going to be my mantra for 2023. I'm fearless, I'm surrounded by favor, and I'm full of faith. Thank you. Burn it in you. And by the end of the day, for sure by the end of the week, it's going to be burned in you, Lord willing. Amen. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. There's more good news when we go over here. So Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. It says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood... The Son also became flesh and blood, that's Jesus, for only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he destroy the power of the devil who had. Is had present, future, or past tense? It's past tense, right? He had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. This is good news. You see, when, when you're operating in the world, you're a slave to fear. But Jesus has destroyed the works and the, the power of death. He's, he's destroyed the, the works of Satan so we don't have to be a slave to fear anymore. There's even a song, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm not going to sing it for you here this morning, but it, it's a good one. I promise you that. We want to be fearless. We don't have to be afraid of dying. Amy Clement just shared in, in prayer this morning how, you know, Elvira is a, is a gal that used to sit back over here and she was in a wheelchair and, and right now she's in hospice, but, but she's ready to go home and she's ready to meet the Lord. She has no fear of dying. Matter of fact, Amy said her, her face is like just, just glowing and shining. She's just, she's ready to go. Amen. And I know, you know, Amy in, in talking to her yesterday, she said, I was more blessed by going to talk to her than she was blessed by her coming, because again, they got to have great conversations. She got to hear about Elvira's life. I remember visiting with her before about, you know, her living in communism and, and her getting her first Bible and, and just the things that we take for granted. Her having a Bible was, was just such a big deal. Amen? But again, she's not afraid to pass on. Now, I don't have a death wish, and, and I, I, I want to finish my course and finish my race, but I'm telling you, if you can overcome the fear of death, the devil has no hold on you. Amen? Amen. Amen. 
Turn back in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. So what has God given us to overcome fear? We, we understand where fear came from. We understand what, what Jesus did. But in 2 Timothy 1, 7, it, it, it tells us, For God, again, has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. We're going to break each one of these down. Power is the word dunamis, and that, the, the definition of that is, is miraculous power. It's, it's might, it's strength. It's, it's the same power that went out of Jesus when the woman with the issue of blood came and touched him. You remember that, that he was with the crowds and there, there were literally hundreds if not thousands of people around him thronging him. And he said, I felt virtue come out of me. That, that's the power that he's given to us. Turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, I'm going to show you another instance of the power that he's given to us. Luke chapter 10, verse 17, this is, this is when he had sent the 70 out and he'd given dominion and power and authority over, over the enemy and they all came back. And in 10, verse 17, it says this, then the 70, re, 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, he's saying this to you. I give you the authority to trample on serpents, there's those snakes again, and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Say, I have authority. I have authority. You've been given that authority, but you've got to know that you've got that authority, and you've got to operate fearless. Amen? You've got to step into the authority that God has given you. You've got the authority to, to, to lay hands on the sick and believe that they will recover. You've got the authority to cast out demons. I'll tell you, one night when we were sitting there at the conference, it was all ministers, but a couple rows back, a guy started manifesting a demon. And I, you know, of course, I want to be a, you know, see what's going on. So I turned around to look, and Melissa and Pastor Vicky are staring straight forward. And I mean, guy just straight up manifesting. But we've been given authority over that. We don't have to fear that. Amen? And you got to be prepared for that. This is the end days we're living in. 89% of a pornography going out of America, 60-some million babies murdered. There's demonic influence going on. Amen? And we've got to be wise to that. We've got to recognize that we've got authority. So he's given us that power. Then turn in, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. Now we go to love. I've given you power, love, and a sound mind. Pastor spoke about this a, a week and a half ago or so on a Wednesday night. He spoke about love. But 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, it says this. It says, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. Say that. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. There's a lot in here, but let's break this down. It says, God is love, and perfect love casts out fear. That's what I want to focus on here for a moment. So here's what I want to teach you, that, that, that fear is on one hand, and love is on another hand. And they cannot coexist in the same environment. So when there's a lot of fear, there's a little bit of love. But when there's a lot of love, there's a little bit of fear. But see, love is a person. Who is love? God is love. So here's the deal. If we focus on fear, God gets smaller in our lives. 
But if we focus on God, fear gets smaller in our lives. Amen? Does that make sense? And whichever one you focus on grows and expands and gets bigger in your life. That's just how it works. Say, I'm fearless. I'm full of faith. And I'm surrounded by favor. You guys are getting it. James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So how do we, we don't resist the devil, you know, physically. We resist the devil by by submitting ourselves to God. So when you're submitted to God and you're moving in his direction, as a byproduct of that, you're moving away from the devil. Does that make sense? It's like we, when we used to teach in weight loss. Nobody wants to lose at anything. That's why you need to throw out the scale. You, 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 when we focus on, on weight loss only and the number on the scale, what do we do? We want to restrict. We want to exercise more and eat less. And it, it creates like this double negative where it puts our body in a starvation mode. The real key is this, is to focus on body fat percentage, to feed and support lean muscle tissue, right? Get an abundance of water, good quality nutrition throughout the day, adequate sleep, focus on healthy behaviors, and as you become more healthy and you move in that direction, weight loss is going to happen as a byproduct if that's your goal. You submit and move in the direction of God, and as a byproduct, you resist the devil. So we don't sit here and we have to physically resist the devil. No, you just stay submitted to God. And how do you do that? By reading the word, by prayer, by showing up for church, by serving, by getting in your small group. We're doing this book, Foundation, Squat, Bench, and Deadlift. Why are we going back to the basics? The basics of faith. Brother Hagin, amen, he wrote the book on this stuff, had revelation. That's why we're studying it in the small groups, and make sure you get involved in that. So God is love, and when God is great, fear is low. So what about faith? Just listen here. You don't have to turn there. Galatians 5, 6 says, says faith actually works by love. So without, without love and without God, faith cannot function. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, and, and now abide faith, hope, and love. And these three, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is God because God is love. Amen? Faith, hope, and love. So hope is the blueprint. Hope is the vision. Hope is the picture of what it is that we see when we get in this word and find out what the promises of God are for our lives. We hope to get healed because the Bible says that Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. We hope for finances, pay off debt, or or to sow more. We we hope that our, our child that's maybe wayward will come back. That's the hope. That's the vision that we see. And then faith is the substance that brings what we hope for from the unseen realm into the seen realm. That's faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. But love is the greatest of these because God is love. And without God, you have no hope and you have no substance to put your faith in. Is that resonating? Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. 1 John 4.18, we're talking about no fear here this morning. 1 John 4.18, again, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. I want to focus on this word torment. Torment means extreme pain, anguish, the utmost degree of misery, either of body or mind. Anybody ever been tormented since they've been a Christian? I know I have many times, most of the time because of my own choices and my own decisions, right? 
But I think back, you know, many of you have heard our stories, you know, May of, of 2019, our, we had been building a, a direct sales business for 13 or 14 years and, um, you know, had life on our terms, literally. I mean, it was, was awesome, owned a gym, you know, things were well, they were really good. But May of, of 2019, we, we, we knew some things were happening and that morning, um, got a call from leadership and, and a buddy of mine that I've known for a lot of years, I mean, this guy's like a man's man and he's literally crying on the phone. And I'm like, Tell him, Melissa, I'm like, you know, this is not going to be good. And they didn't know exactly what was going to happen. And I was scheduled to go out to, to New Jersey to a, a fitness business conference. And, you know, I just said, what do you think I ought to do? And, and she said, well, if, if Advocare goes sideways, we've got to, you know, keep rolling with the gym. So you need to go out here to New Jersey, which I did. And, and I was in the airplane when, when she was on the Zoom meeting and, and they had hopped on there. And, and uh, long story short, they basically changed the whole mechanics of how the business that we had built and, and, and the thousands of people that, you know, we, we had brought into the, the opportunity and whatnot, everything had changed with the whole landscape. And overnight, uh, you know, our income dropped by about 90 to 95%. Changed everything. Completely changed our whole lives. You know, you can say that you have your faith and trust in God and, and that your faith is not in finances and whatnot, but I'll tell you, when everything's removed from underneath you, it, it, it'll test you. And to say that I was tormented, I remember getting off the airplane and calling Melissa and I just was, New Jersey's airport's already, it's already super complicated. But I remember walking around talking to her and I, I, I had to go to the rental car place. I just couldn't even focus. It was like I was in a state of shock. It was tormenting. I was tormented in my mind. Started asking these questions like, like, like Satan did. Hath God said, you know, what are we going to do? You know, it's one thing if it was just me, but when you got a wife and, and three kids at home and, and all this to support and, you know, we were already in the process of moving because of school zone issues and all of that changed and then it just set off this ripple effect of, of things that, you know, happened as a result of that. You know, and then COVID ends up hitting and, you know, I mean, I'm not doing this poor me, but it's like, it, 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 it tormented me. I'm telling you, it puts you in the pressure cooker. And I'd love to say that, you know what, I was just in faith and I was in victory. You know, I was fearless and full of faith and surrounded by favor, but I wasn't. And it was probably about a year's time where it was tough. You know, sleepless nights, and I knew the Word of God. We, we met with pastors and, and did what we knew to do. You know, tried our other various opportunities and whatnot, but, you know, nothing just just seemed to flow or, or, or seemed to be what it was that, that God was calling us to do. So no, I know what it's like to be tormented. I remember one morning sitting at the, the kitchen table and it, I felt like I had a basketball in my stomach, just a gut ache, you know, playing it over. What are we going to do? And I'd love to say again that I just got in the word and, and I did get in the word, but it was just this constant pressure, this constant bombardment. And that's what the enemy tries to do to us. He tries to get us off the word, get us in fear and not focused on God. Amen. But praise God, we came out the other side of that and we're still standing. And that's what I want to encourage you in this this morning. Say, I'm fearless. I'm full of faith and I'm surrounded by favor. Amen. So what's the practical application of this? The sound mind, power, love, and a sound mind. Galatians 5.22, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Funny, it's love is the first one because God is love. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. He's given us power, love, and self-control. Soundness of mind. It's a fruit of the Spirit. There's something called emotional intelligence. You ever heard of that? 
There's something called IQ, that's your intelligence quotient. That, that, I probably never do very good on that test, but the emotional intelligence, I've got that one down. As a parent, I always tell other parents, your number one job when your kid brings you something is to not freak out. If you spaz out, this is what happens. You create an environment, you create a history with them where the next time they're not going to bring you their problems because they're going to remember, oh man, it's, it's easier for me to hide like Adam did, right? And try to cover this up because I don't want to have the wrath of mom or dad. I don't want to have to listen to all that. Now you can be freaking out on the inside, but don't let them see a sweat on the outside. That's called emotional intelligence. It's the ability to understand and manage your own emotions, as well as recognize and influence the emotions of others around you. If you flip out, everybody's going to flip out. If you stay calm, everybody else is going to stay calm. And I'm just blown away the day and age we live in and how people just wig out over the smallest things. Stay calm. That will raise your level of leadership. Self-control. Say, I have self-control. You do. You're a calm, collected group of people. Amen? Amen? So now we know what it is. We know where it came from. We know what the Bible says it is. The practical application, again, is to first of all resist it. We talked about resisting the devil, but we also have to resist this fear. And that's what I learned. See, either win or you learn. You never lose. If you quit, you lose. But going through the things that we've went through, you know, spending three and a half years in prison and, and, and starting over with nothing and uh, losing that business and just all the various things that, that, that are called life, right? Things that you don't go out and look to, to have happen, but that happen to you. You either, you either learn from those things or you, you win or you learn, right? The, the, one of those two, two areas. And so what I learned was that I've got to resist it. I've got to, I've got to fight against it or I've got to oppose it. And here's how fear typically starts. It typically starts as a thought. It comes in your mind and it comes in the form of a question like, like Satan did. Hath God said, what are you going to do? What about this? What if you lose everything? What if she leaves? What if he leaves? What if you lose your job? You know, the economy's doing this. What if that? What if my 401k? All, all these things. What if, what if, what if? It's a thought. Kenneth Hagin said this. He said, thoughts may come and persist in staying, but thoughts that are not put into word or action die unborn. Here's an easy way to say that. A thought unspoken dies unborn. So again, faith and fear, they work the exact same way. Unless the fear is received, meditated on, and spoken out your mouth, it has no power to steal, kill, or destroy in your life. Amen? So the Bible says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. But we've got to be in faith and not in fear. Matthew 6.31, it says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what are we going to wear? The thoughts, they're going to come. The birds are going to fly overhead, but don't let them make a nest. They're going to come, but, but let those thoughts die. Because why? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And you give life to that thought when you speak it out. But if you don't speak that thought out, it's going to die unborn, like he said. So don't give life to the wrong thoughts. Give life to the word of God. These are the right thoughts, amen? This is how you stay in faith. This is how you, you overcome fear and, and walk in victory, amen? That's what this is all about, walking in victory, being more than conquerors. 
It's what we want to do. 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says we cast down imaginations and, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge or, or the word of God. And we bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And here's the deal. You cannot fight thoughts with thoughts. You have to speak against them. Don't think about big brown dog. Don't think about big brown dog. Don't think about big brown dog. What are you thinking about? Big brown dog, right? That's the thought that's in your mind. But you've got to speak to that thought to change the thought, right? To not think about big brown dog anymore. Little white dog, that's what you speak out, right? And, and it changes those thoughts. Because we know how this works. Our, our thoughts, they end up becoming our words. Our words become our actions. Our actions become our habits. And our habits determine or they create our life. So the life you're living right now started out as a thought. And it's either a thought from God or it's a thought from the enemy. Now we do have some of our own thoughts, but they're based on prior experiences. Just like me being scared of snakes is from that prior experience of some jerk putting that, that gardener snake on my chest, right, when I wasn't looking for it. That's where our thoughts typically come from. And that's why we renew ourselves or renew our minds to the Word of God, which is Romans 12 too, right? I was so excited to, to hear Brianna's, uh, to hear Bree's testimony of, of healing. You know, she shared it a few months ago on a Wednesday night. She had suffered from migraine headaches. Anybody ever had a migraine headache before? You know, getting them sometimes two and three times a week. They're debilitating. I used to get them a lot when I was younger. Praise God I haven't had one in years. But I mean, you not only have the headache and, and deal with that, but then it's like you have a hangover the next day and, and your mind is cloudy and it's, it's not clear. And she had so many, you know, that started worrying about, is there something wrong with, with her brain and whatnot? And, and pastor did a call and, and said, hey, if anybody's battling migraine headaches, come forth. He laid hands on her and the power of God went in her and she felt it and, and immediately she was healed. And she walked away from here being healed, praise God. However, she was tested in that. Symptoms came back a, a week or a month or, or whenever later, and I was so proud of her because she knew what to do. She knew not to, oh, the migraine's coming back. You don't give that, you don't get, bring life to that thought. You speak the word of God. No, devil, I remember being in church, and I remember Pastor Mike laying hands on me, and the power of God went into me, and I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. And you're not going to try to put that back on, on me, because, and, and that's taking authority over it. Amen? That's taking the authority that, that, that Jesus purchased and bought back from Satan when he died in, on the cross and, and went to hell and, and was raised from the dead. Amen? That's the, how the whole thing works. So you're not the sick trying to get healed. You are the healed. And Satan is trying to steal that healing from you and get you to believe that you're sick. That's faith. I'm the healed of the Lord. Let the heel of the Lord say so. And that's how you speak. You speak by faith. And you watch your words. Say, I'm fearless. I'm, fearless. I'm, full, of faith. I'm full of faith. And I'm surrounded by favor. Surrounded by Hallelujah. Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. See, when we sin and we transgress God, we, we typically do what Adam did and we run and hide. And so when we've got sin in our lives, it's, it's very hard to come boldly to the throne of grace. And so that's why, again, you know, it, it's getting the life, you know, holding the mirror up and, and, and just getting things straightened out so that we can come boldly. And this isn't arrogance. As I'm wrapping this up, if Andy, you want to come up and play. This isn't, this isn't arrogance of, uh, of, of, 
you know, that I think I'm somebody or, or that you think you're somebody. We're not bold again because we think we're somebody. The reason we're bold is because we know somebody. We know Jesus. We know the one that has bought and paid the price for that victory. Amen? And that's how we walk fearless. That's how we stay full of faith. And that's how we stay surrounded by favor. Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. No fear here. Amen? Amen. So you learn where it comes from. You learn the price that's been paid for you to not have fear. And you understand what the Bible says, how to, how to apply the word of God, how to take the thought captive and not, not speak that thought out, but speak the word of God out in that situation. And I'm telling you, the fear will leave. That's what I've been thinking about most lately. When I was down in prayer, when I was in praise and worship this morning, just the peace of God. Literally no fear. Is everything perfect in our lives? No. It's not all rainbows and unicorns. It, it, it never will be. But I've got the peace of God inside of me. Amen? And we walk in that peace. We walk in that love. We walk in that joy because of what Jesus Christ did for us. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 9.30, as well as our midweek service on Wednesday nights at 7. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.